Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Hello and welcome back to The Back Pain Podcast. Today's episode is an essential listen for all back pain sufferers. We talk about the signs that could indicate your back pain is from a serious condition or even a medical emergency. We talk about how common these symptoms are and what to do if you have them. Now this episode isn't meant to scare you but to educate you and make you aware of what you have to stay alert for so it is a must listen episode. Today we're talking with Laura Finnecane and Sue Greenhouse two highly experienced consultant physiotherapists who are experts in and have quite literally written the book on serious back pain. Together with the MACP, they have produced an educational video on the symptoms of this more serious back pain, which has been launched today. We will be playing the video in the episode, but you can also find a link to it in the show notes down below. If you are enjoying these podcasts, please share it with a friend or family member who may be suffering and needs to hear this information. It means the absolute world to us. That's it from from me. Enjoy today's episode and we'll catch you on the next one. And welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today, Sue and Laura. How are you guys both doing today? Fine, thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, no, thank you. Really good. Thanks. So uh, as you heard from that introduction, today we're talking about kind of, you know, occasional rare occurrences of back pain that are caused by what we call serious pathology. So can you start off by explaining what we mean when we talk about serious pathology? Yeah, well, I think uh, the first thing to emphasise is that serious pathology in relation to back pain is very rare. The majority of back pains get better over time with the right approach and staying active. But the sooner we identify the serious cases, the better. Although there are only 1% of the back pains that we see, the serious cases are something that we want to look out for early. So there may be cases such as cancers of the spine, infections of the spine. There might be fractures either by a trauma like an injury or it might be because the bones aren't as strong or um, an orthopedic surgical emergency in relation to spines would be caudriquinus syndrome, which we can expand on a little bit later. But they're the type of uh, serious pathology categories that we like to find early. Definitely. So that's so uh, approximately one percent. Does that mean one in every hundred people that have back pain, or one in every hundred people that see a doctor? You know, no, that that have back pain because of course not everybody sees a doctor, not everybody sees a clinician. The back pain will just go away. So um, this is out there in the general population of back pain sufferers. Um, the, the majority, I have to emphasize, are not serious. Yeah, and, and I think that's the you know the, the take home message that we want to emphasize today is that you know this this episode, or that it's a very serious episode, and it's a very important episode, but it's not designed to to scare people. It's a you know for a lot of information to help educate you know you the listener to what to stay alert for and what to watch out for. So what we as clinicians kind of look out for when people come in, and we refer to them in our circles as red flags, and and these are signs and symptoms that um, you know that we stay alert for. Laura, can you explain what is a red flag and what are the symptoms that you know we we look for in in patients? 
Yeah, sure. So, so red flags are are items that we've used historically to, to help us identify serious pathology. And, and, and what they do is they help, they kind of raise our suspicion or our level of concern about somebody. Um, and, and so if I give you an example, so uh, past issue of cancer is something that we would term as a red flag. Um, and it, essentially, we know that there are a group of, of uh, cancers that potentially could uh, developed sort of secondary cancers into the spine. So, we, you know, particularly things like breast, prostate and lung are kind of the top cancers. So, so for me, if a patient came in to see me and, and I was aware that they had a past history cancer of a breast, then it would it raise my concern, but it wouldn't be, uh, you know, enough to go, well, I need to scan you. Because we know that equally, not everybody that has a past history cancer is going to develop secondary bone cancer. So, so it, it has to be in the context of, of you know, the back pain they're, they're, they're describing. And so the red flags we talk about are things that are risk factors, which would be a past tissue cancer, or they could be signs and symptoms that, that the patient presents with. So a good example of that might be uh, someone who comes with back pain that radiates round into the front of their trunk and, and into the stomach. Uh, so, we, you know, that would raise our concern. Or you know, someone who describes having a history of back pain, but the back pain they're now experiencing is really not like what they've ever experienced before. So it's a different kind of quality of pain. So we're looking at those things, but putting them into the context of how that's how they're presenting for us. So they, so they help us work out whether we have that level of concern or not. So if you have one of these symptoms that you know we will mention later and, and, and come across to, this doesn't mean that you have a problem that is necessarily serious. It just means that your clinician might want to ask you a few more questions or have a slightly higher index of suspicion of kind of, you know, staying alert for other symptoms and might give you a few warning signs of other things to look out for. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Because we know that, you know, um, you know, let's say something like a fever can be caused by lots of different things. It doesn't have to be serious pathology. Um, you can have a problem with your bladder and bowel that, that's not related to your back. So, so actually our job is to explore those, those, those kind of things that the patients are telling us and actually working out whether, do we think this is coming from the back or do we think there's some other reason for the, for those symptoms? Brilliant. And so part of the reason for bringing you guys on today is that uh, together, and yeah, I'm sure you're sure you want to thank a few other people that have helped you kind of produce this. You've, you've produced a video, um, which is a, a patient-facing video about signs and symptoms to look out for, haven't you? About uh, about back pain and what to, what to watch. And so kind of what, what are we about to, about to hear? So this is um, what we call a safety netting um, animation. So it's a, it's um, a video that is going to warn patients of in those rare situations that might be serious, some of these things may develop. Now, we talked about red flags. We tend to look for uh, a number of them together, as Laura said. But we want to find these cases early. And Finding them early depends on the patient presenting early. So working together as partners, we can get to these cases soon. So this animation is about raising awareness in patients who are suffering from back pain of when they might want to seek urgent help for that condition. Brilliant. So we're going to play the video now for everyone for everyone listening. And then uh, we'll also have it linked on, on our social media and on the show notes down below and on YouTube. And also we have lots of different links. So if you want to go and watch this video, you can find it. But we're about to, to play it now for anyone that would like to listen. 
Most back pain is called non-specific or mechanical back pain. It's not serious and often gets better on its own with an active approach. Urgent help for mechanical back pain is not needed. Very rarely, back pain is a serious cause which can be helped more effectively if found early. Certain symptoms can suggest that the cause of your back pain could be something more worrying and an urgent opinion from your healthcare professional may be needed. It's important that you know what to look out for and what to do if these symptoms develop and very importantly, when. The following symptoms require an urgent opinion but it's not necessary to seek help the same day. Back pain that's getting worse, severe and different to that you've experienced before. Pain that spreads from your back in a band around your body. Odd feelings in your legs with a feeling of unsteadiness. Difficulty walking and heaviness in your legs. Back pain that stops you sleeping at night or gets worse when you lie down. Or fever or chills since the onset of your back pain. Sometimes, but very rarely, your urgent appointment will need to be at your emergency department the same day. Look out for back and leg pain and any of the following. If these symptoms develop, seek help immediately. Loss of feeling or pins and needles between your inner thighs and genitals or numbness in or around your back passage or buttocks. Altered feeling when you use toilet paper to wipe yourself. Increased difficulty when you try to urinate. Leaking or difficulty when you try to stop or control the flow of urine. Not knowing when your bladder or bowel are full or empty. Or loss of sensation when you pass urine or stool. Or a change in ability to achieve erection or ejaculation or loss of sensation in your genitals during sexual intercourse. Other things can cause these symptoms and serious spinal conditions are very rare, but treatment is much more effective if the condition is found early. Help us to help you. Look out for these symptoms and if they develop alongside your back pain, seek urgent help from your healthcare professional. Brilliant. What a video, guys. That's a, 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 a lot of effort that goes into videos like that. And though, you know, it might seem like a three minute video, but I can hugely appreciate the amount of time and work that goes into that. So well done for producing kind of an animation like that. And I thought the uh, for anyone that, you know, needs to go and watch this, you know, the, the, the drawing is a very, very well illustrated uh, drawing those, aren't they? So well done, guys. Thank you. And thanks to the NACP for funding that. Without that, we wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, Laura Bassey, who did the animation. I wish I could claim those illustrations were mine, but not, sadly. (laughs) So that brings on then to the next topic is, you know, obviously these symptoms, you know, that some people may have, some people listening to this may have symptoms which which kind of match this. Why do people have to be aware of, of things like this? So I, so, you know, just going back to what Sue said earlier, actually was about you know, one of the things that, that we are really focused on is early early sort of identification. We know that if we can pick up these patients early, their outcomes better, their prognosis is better, and their quality of life is better. So, so there's, 
you know that's that's where our interest has been really sort of on most of most of the things that we, we've done has been about that early identification so it's really important and just to kind of sort of illustrate why that's so important is I I sort of give you a patient story I was doing some uh, research or looking to see if I could do some research around early identification particularly uh, of metastatic or secondary bone disease in, in breast cancer and so I, I went out uh, to ask uh, patients who had breast cancer primary cancer and, and to ask them about you know my research and whether they thought it was of value and I, and I got a response from a lady who, who, who rang me and said um, yeah, it'd be really good to talk to you. I do have a history of breast cancer, but I had no idea about secondary cancer or metastases. I'd look it up because I didn't, I'd never heard of it, didn't realise that, you know, I could go on to develop secondary cancer. And so we had a long conversation about, you know, the symptoms that she might need to look out for um, and, you know, the value of, of that sort of being aware and actually being able to you know, to do something about it should she develop those symptoms. And so, you know, we left it at that. And, and about three to four months later, she sent me an email and she said, just to let you know, after I saw you probably three months later, I developed some back pain. It wasn't my normal back pain. It was back pain uh, that was different. And you know, we discussed this. And so she went to get it investigated. And she turned out to have a, a secondary in, in her bone in one of her vertebrae. But it was only one. And and actually what we know is that, you know, if it had been multi-level or it had been, you know, that those metastases have gone to different organs, then a prognosis wouldn't have been so good. So the fact that it was one level meant that her treatment was, you know, really effective and, and, and really, you know, prognosis was much better. So, so you know, that it's just we know that if we can increase awareness that these people will get to the right place in, in a timely manner. And I know, Sue, you've probably got a similar story. Yeah, I've got a similar story and one comes to mind. So we've seen the video where it talks about pins and needles or numbness around the bottom uh, that can present in, in a number of cases, but particularly called Requiner syndrome. And I remember a young man in his 30s who uh, had back pain and progressing leg pain and then developed numbness around his bottom and into his genital but he perceived the pain as the most important symptom and the numbness as quite reassuring. So he thought that he was actually getting better and wanted the numbness to spread because then that would take the pain away. So that delayed him attending when actually to us, those symptoms of numbness and pins and needles around the bottom and genitals are much more worrying than the pain that he was experiencing. And then what, so then did he then have to then go on and have some further intervention or was he? Was... He actually did have quadriquina syndrome and uh, he did have surgery, but um, he's worked with us in research and said that if he'd known then what he now knows in relation to the things that we had in the animation and on quadriquina cards that we have available, he would have presented much earlier, even a couple of days earlier than he actually did. So um, his story isn't unique. I've heard that before. And so if we can tell people what's important to listen for and look out for, that can help them to present at, a, at an early stage. We know from qualitative research we've done with patients who suffer from quadriquina syndrome, that the level of pain to them is the most worrying symptom. That is the all-consuming uh, thing that uh, that 
follows them 24 hours a day, seven days a week that they want to tell you about because they feel you can, you can really clinically reason from that. And although it's helpful, we need to know other things. And in isolation, it doesn't tell us enough in relation to serious pathology. No, I, I totally agree. And I think every clinician who, who treats back pain would have had similar stories or similar experiences with that. So raising awareness is one of the reasons why we, we wanted to have you guys on the podcast and why we wanted to and why we've done the podcast in the first place. It's about quality education around yeah. around back pain and what's normal and what's not normal. And pain is such a you know, over all consuming um, symptom, you know, because you can't function if you're in severe pain. And it's something which, you know, getting across the message yeah. of, you know, hurt doesn't always equal harm. And, you know, s- severe pain doesn't mean severe pathology. Uh, it is something that we've really strived for in kind of our previous episodes on pain and chronic pain and, and things like that. And how, you know, the, it, they don't always go, they don't always match your symptoms. And it, it's, it can be really tricky to understand. And I think that this episode of that, these other things to look out for, hopefully should 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 raise a lot of awareness so can we go into a little yeah. bit about uh, about some of these symptoms uh, that you've kind of alluded to in the video and because i know that some people will be watching that might have symptoms and might have a few more questions around it so what could some of these symptoms suggest so what are kind of the few you know the highlights of you know serious pathology that we kind of want to make people aware of um, so uh, I talked a little bit before about what the conditions may be. Um, if we talk about the Cordyquina syndrome, for instance, many of the listeners may have been warned about Cordyquina syndrome uh, and to act quickly if the symptoms develop. But the Cordyquina is a group of nerves that hangs down from just about the waist level. And there's 20 nerve roots that hang down just like a horse's tail. They supply both legs. Uh, for the strength and the sensation, but they also supply organs, the bladder, the bowel, the genitals. And parts of the cordyquina are quite vulnerable to damage and don't recover like other nerves. And it's also affected by the amount of pressure and time that um, the, the usually a disc is pressing on the cordyquina. So the um, animation and cards and other work that we've done describing to patients about looking out for changes in bladder function and bowel function, uh, looking for changes maybe uh, in stream or loss of sensation, um, looking out for things like change in erection or ejaculation, change in sexual function, loss of sensation during intercourse. They're all important things to look out for in the context of back pain and probably leg pain that's progressing. Some of those conditions can be linked to other things. If patients have had them for years, for instance, we're not worried. They can be sometimes as a side effect of medication that we often treat back pain for, so it's in the context of what else is happening. But although they're embarrassing for the for people to divulge, it's really important that we understand these things to actually be able to reason. Are we worried? Do we need to investigate further or do we need to get them onto a specialist team in a timely manner? So the the actual partnership of the patient working with us to get to these conditions early is really important. And to, to stress specifically when we speak about quarter equina, if that's not looked at you know, quite quickly, what are the implications of, of, of that being missed or being delayed if, if, if you don't present or don't tell someone about it? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's life-changing consequences. So that all of those 20 nerves could potentially be damaged. So it, it could affect the function of your bladder, your bowel, sensation of the around your bottom and genital sexual function for the rest of your life. Recovery, if there's not timely in surgical intervention, can be life-changing. And what the evidence says now talks about that surgical opinion being an emergency. So that same day to avoid these life-changing consequences. Now, it has to be said that many present with these symptoms that don't have Cordyquina syndrome, but to get to those that do, we need to look at these symptoms seriously. Yeah, so, so if you're, you're, you're having these symptoms, that doesn't mean you need to, um, you definitely have Cordyquina, but it means that it needs to be, you need to be seen to as an emergency to rule out that you, that, that you might have something serious. Yeah, and uh, and just going back to what I said, this is if it's if it's developing as your back pain is progressing, it doesn't matter if you've had it for several years or this is because of a different condition. But is it developing in line with your new back pain and or leg pain that's progressing, and then you're developing these symptoms with change in function of bladder, bowel, numbness around the what's called the saddle, so the the buttocks, the genitals. Uh, perianal region, so around it, the anus. Um, if there's any changes in these, along with uh, sexual dysfunction, so erection, ejaculation, loss of sensation during intercourse, these are important things to look out for with this change. I think that's so important. I mean, we notice a lot with, I'm sure you've seen it as well, particularly in ladies who might have had a lot of children, you know, urinary incontinence is something that's quite common. Yeah. Um, and it might not be something that they bring yeah. to the bring to the forefront when taking a medical history because they've had it for years. But then when that's tied in with a new back pain, it needs kind of further investigation. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the other symptoms which you mentioned in the video, can we talk a little bit about some other possibilities of some, you know, serious pathology that, that, that some of these symptoms could suggest? Yeah, so um, we, we talked about um, odd feelings or heavy feelings in the legs and uh, and the band-like pain. Sometimes these can be related to um, the cancer around the spine. And, and what's important is what the patient tells us in early stages of a serious condition is far more important than what we might find when we examine them. So the examination might be quite reassuring the legs might seem really strong, and yet, as described in the animation, the patient describes the legs as feeling odd or heavy or strange. Uh, they might feel that the legs are floating or they've got two pairs of trousers on. I've heard these descriptions, um, but you te we test the sensation. We might test the strength, and yet it seems fine. That doesn't overrule what the patient's told us. So we need to listen. And the, these band-like symptoms are really important for us to know. So pain kind of from the middle back that comes round the ribs or from the lower back that comes round uh, to the side of the hips and then maybe into the tummy. In that band description illustrated well by Laura is important for us to know. So it's, it's kind of each of those um, illustrated symptoms can point to a, a number of categories and then we it's our job to kind of ask further questions to see is there anything else that raises our concerns and do we need to move forward to further investigations or on with specialist opinion quickly yeah and i might just add you know just thinking about some of the stuff in the animation so that something like night pain which is really really common in in, in back pain 
You know, I can't think of very many people who don't come to us and say, oh, it disturbs me at night. And actually, I'm not worried if, if the patient tells me, you know, it wakes me up in the night because I'm turning over, trying. but, you know, as long as they tell me they can you know, get comfortable and go back to sleep or they get up and go to the toilet and go back to bed and then get back to sleep. The ones we worry about are the ones that tell us, I can't lie down, I can't, I can't actually lie in the bed. I'm having to walk the floors at night and it, and it's just it's impossible to get to sleep so so all of the all of the things that you know, sue said it's about the context it's about asking those questions behind that specific red flag really or that that indication so the people who you know as you said everybody has pain at night when they have severe back pain so the people who are twisting over and they're getting that sharp stab of pain that's a very different night pain to the the night pain that you're that you're describing yeah so yeah, very, very different. different. Yeah, so so often the the ones that are, you know, probably the ones we'd be concerned about, or would certainly increase our level of suspicion, might be the ones that say, "I wake up, it just wakes me up. I haven't turned over, I haven't done anything," um, and then then it's excruciatingly bad, and it's just it, it just doesn't calm down, and I have to get up. They can't lie flat. So yeah, always ways up. We might listen for yeah, we might listen for a history of the sleeping in a chair because yeah. they, they go to bed. Uh, because it hurts so much to lie down. They might describe getting up, pacing the bedroom, taking medication through the night. But it's this, it's this pain that stops them going back to sleep and really affects that nighttime uh, pattern of sleep. Can you answer why often these pains are worse at night? Because I know that's a question which we get asked a lot and it's something which, you know, is, is there a reason why it's so much worse at night? Is it just because your mind is elsewhere and you can't think about it? Anything else? Or is it is there a pathology behind well, it? Uh, I've spoken to um, a particular oncologist um, about this and he feels it's probably related to kind of the vascular congestion as we're stiller, maybe lying down or, uh, you know, the actual maybe some of it is kind of an ischemic pain or a vascular congestion type of pain. So this is the actual, um, just to clarify that, so that's the actual pressure of of lying down on those tissues that's almost causing a bit of constriction on on those um, uh, vessels, is that right? Yeah, 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 and and kind of the whole area where the tumour is will, will be affecting the surrounding tissue. And so there'll be abnormalities there that as we're not moving about, that inflammatory process is much okay. bigger. So the other thing which we we ask about a lot, and, and you alluded to in the video, is fever or, or night sweats. And I'm sure anyone who's had an examination for their back and been asked this, they might have thought, why are you asking me you know, about fever? And again, that brings into the whole people who are kind of menopausal as well. They might get a lot of night sweats or, or sweating throughout the day. Yeah. What are you looking for in terms of, of yeah. fever and what can that possibly indicate? So it can possibly indicate a spinal infection. Fever on its own, uh, I think we, we said, I think Laura said earlier, it, you know, it's, it's not that helpful. We need to know what other risks are there and what other symptoms are there. But it's kind of, is this new? Has it developed? Has your back pain has developed? Um, are, you, are you feeling unwell? Was this not there before? So it, it might be present particularly in spinal infections. It may be in some cancers. Obviously, we know in this current situation we've got we've got COVID, but that would not be kind of you know that might be um, associated with the other signs of COVID. But are we looking for a change with the back pain progressing and that generally feeling unwell with these fevers and chills? 
that generalized malaise and that you know that those flu almost flu-like yeah. symptoms alongside new back pain that's kind of it raises that suspicion that mm, we need to delve in a little bit deeper into here yeah definitely definitely so a deeper question is important to look at what risk factors there might Perfect. be were there any other symptoms that they kind of that you feel that uh, we haven't asked about or that kind of brought to light in the video that uh, you know may indicate some more more pathology Um, I, I think it's just to emphasise that um, the, I think from a patient's point of view, sometimes it can be frustrating to answer lots and lots of questions. And, uh, you know, it, it might feel that it's more important for us to have a look at the spine and then we will know. But that detailed question questioning is really important about uh, the subtle signs and subtle things that patients may not generally talk about. So in the context of severe pain, they might not think about divulging. My legs feel a bit odd actually, I feel a bit peculiar, feel a bit strange. When they've got lots of other things going on, they've had a terrible night's sleep, they've got loads of pain, they might not divulge that as a symptom. So it, it's, um, it's kind of, I think, those vague subtle signs that in the early stages can come and go and then get worse is important to us to know how they're behaving and what's happening. And I would just add to that. I think, I think Sue's absolutely right. I think, you know, our job is really to put context around the questions we're asking, you know, otherwise they, they seem really remote and, and just a bit odd to be asking certain things. So it's really from a clinical point of view, we, we absolutely need to do that. But you know, we also want our patients to raise any concerns they might have because they, they might be thinking something's really worrying them, but they think it's not relevant to you. And so, so you know, it is about trying to empower our patients to actually kind of you know, tell us, you know, what's what's going on for them. What what concerns do they have if they have any about what what's happening with them, really? Yeah. And then also explaining these questions that we ask about why we're asking them sometimes as well. Because if you're explaining why we're asking them, then, you know, for the clinicians who are listening, that if you're phrasing them in a, in, in a way that's kind of, uh, you know, out of left field, then it can feel a bit, you know, a bit affronted almost and may not kind of want to ask about, answer questions about, you know, urinary habits or bowel and bladder habits and things. Whereas if you're putting it into a context, explaining why you're answering it and, you know, cut, you know, that you're covering all bases effectively, then, uh, you know, people will be a bit more open to yeah. kind of free and ask them and, and answer these, these questions. And, and actually you might end yeah. up by not getting the answer you wanted anyway. So, so again, it's really important, you know, phrasing that, you know, framing that, that question, but you know, what is it you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. And we've all had the patients. And that came out, sorry, that came out in the qualitative study with the quadriquina patient that uh, it was important to frame the questions. Patients said they often didn't understand why they were being asked certain things like the function of the bladder, like the sensation around the bottom, because they wanted to get to the bit where we talked about the pain and what has my bladder function got to do with my back? What has my sexual function got to do with my back? You know, why are you asking me these things? Just get to the point where you take the pain away and it was patients who said it's really important that you frame the questions that you're asking and explain 
why you come into that. No, and then also, you know, if people are scared about answering that, answering those questions at the time, it means they'll also think about them later if you explain them. I mean, from personal experience, I had a patient who I asked asked all these questions and he asked why I was asking about about, uh, about sexual function and bladder function. And he said, it was all fine. Um, he then actually, after seeing me, went away, rang me back that evening and said, actually, I have had some of those symptoms, but I, I didn't want to tell you at the time, you know, that sort of thing. And then that led to, and, and he didn't have yeah, quarter yeah. but he had, had some, but it needed further investigation. And it was, it's quite embarrassing. And I, it, you know, it's obviously embarrassing for people who might be having those symptoms, but, you know, just to stress that it's so important to, you know, tell someone whether that's your GP, whether it's whoever you're seeing sat in front of you, you know, get it seen to really. Yeah, absolutely. And equally those at risk, so uh, the gentleman you said who you talked about those things with, he, he might have um, developed them kind of a day or two days later, but knew exactly what to do because you'd exactly. warned him what to look out for and yeah, what to exactly. do. Exactly. I'll say rather than a throwaway question or two at the end uh, for all those practitioners listening, uh, yeah, rather than a mandatory throwaway quick list to rattle through, these need to be explained properly. These need to be outlined why we're giving them. Yeah. So you spoke in the video about you know the urgency about kind of you know these symptoms are are you know, should be investigated quickly for a lot of these symptoms you know how you talk about speed of healthcare access you know how quickly should these kind of be seen to you know should people be going to a e straight away or should people be ringing their gp or speaking to their physio or chiro or osteo you know what's the you know why is the speed so important we're here so it goes back to the early identification of the serious pathology and which particular condition it is so uh, we've heard already about Cordyquina syndrome, that has to be an emergency and uh, would be um, a surgical opinion that day. But it depends on whether you've got a healthcare uh, clinician who's looking after you, maybe um, you know a GP or a physio osteopath chiropractor is giving you some advice of what to do. You might be directly straight into a pathway from them if you've got Cordyquina syndrome, or it might be that they say go to A and E. So you might have already been given some advice. Um, if not, there are uh, there are things like one 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 that you can ring for advice. Um, but the kind of precipitous requesting of of help and advice about these conditions that we've talked about in the animation is important. Don't worry about, I don't want to worry my clinician or I don't want to worry the GP. Uh, and equally in these times of the COVID pandemic, don't think, um, well, I, I'm worried about going into a, a medical setting because everybody in a medical setting is now being very cautious about minimising risk. Uh, and we all want to see these cases that are worrying early. Many who present with what they think are worrying situations aren't but that's okay we want to get to those who are worrying early no i think that the, the covid thing brings it quite well to light as well because yes people will be worried about this and something a worrying trend that i've seen is that people have avoided seeing people because they'll only get a video consult or they'll only oh i want someone to you know touch me like you alluded to people want to negate the the the, the chatting part and then get straight into the move touch feel poke and that you know, and having a video consult is such a valuable tool for people, you know, being able to sit down and talk to someone who's yeah. trained in this and trained to answer your questions. And so they, although you might not understand why they're asking these or, or, or why, yes, you want someone to touch you that you can, you can get a really, really, you know, 
good history from a video consult and you'd be really reassured that you know your back pain is is nothing serious which we know that the vast vast majority of back pain is is not serious and i guess this is why you made this animation as well now um you know this is a really good time to do it (laughs) with with this uh current healthcare crisis kind of that we're going through yeah that's right well i think um for many years we've been talking about working with patients as partners and uh, you're, uh, you know, I'm sure you're aware we've made little cards for patients about cordial syndrome that are available in a, a number of different languages to give to those patients who are at risk um, of cordial syndrome so that they can, as we talked about a few minutes ago, so that they can present if those things happen. And uh, the animation um, was precipitated by the uh, COVID-19 pandemic as people aren't actually attending for help it was kind of just another thing that might help to inform patients of, of what to look out for, or when to seek help, what to do should these symptoms occur. So this was in the pipeline anyway, and then this just uh, sped, sped, sped everything up really, didn't it? And, uh... Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. No. Well, thank you very much for making the uh, for for making the animation really. So it's been a it's a it's a valuable tool, and I think that we'll probably be playing it in our waiting rooms uh, in, in 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 the clinic. And I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, lots of people that you know will be doing this uh, doing similar. Is that how you want this animation to be used? You know, for the healthcare professionals listening, um, yeah. how do you envisage it being used? Yeah. So, uh, um, Laura, do you want to pick this one up or? Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, I, I think, you know, our kind of focus, as we said, it has been really around trying to increase awareness. And that's not just from a clinical point of view, that's from a patient point of view. And, you know, and, and just sort of touch on really, you know, why we did the animation as well. It is we, we've been involved in, a, in developing a international framework uh, around serious pathology, but that was very much for clinicians. And we did that because we realised that there was quite a lot of anxiety within the profession about picking up serious pathology. You know, there was a worry about, I'm going to miss serious pathology. What happens if I miss serious pathology? So so the framework really helps to, to kind of uh, focus uh, clinicians to, to try and, and manage that, that anxiety. So, so you know, we, we, um, the focus is very much on very good communication, empowering patients, knowing to, you know, what to look out for, so all of those things. So that was probably the start of this journey. But whilst we were doing that, we also were picking up some queries from, from, from our clinicians saying, well, what happens if I do suspect someone's got serious pathology? What am I going to do? What are the things I need to do? And so, so we, we wrote us, um, something around safety netting. So again, it's about you know, if you're not certain, what do I need to put in place to make sure that these patients are managed properly. And we've talked about that quite a lot in this already, but just, you know, it's about making sure that the patient understands what's going to happen or what could happen if they were to develop that serious pathology and, and actually giving them, like Sue said, in the, the cue cards is a really good example uh, on cordyquina syndrome is it tells you what to look out for. And so you might have a patient that comes to you with back pain and leg pain. They've got no cordyquina symptoms, but you might be thinking, they might go on to develop it. So this is what you need to know. These are the things I want you to look out for. And if you develop them, I want you to do this. I want you to go to seek help from A&E and and you need to do it now. So so it's very clear about what you're asking that patient to do should they develop it. And of course, you know, cordyquina is is maybe an extreme. So, you know, you have other pathologies that you don't need to act quite so quickly. 
Uh, and you know that, but again, my advice would be, if you develop some of these things, you come and see me or you speak to your GP. So you come back to us and tell us about those things. So, so that was, you know, that was really kind of the, the why we wanted to do this as well, because it's so important that, that we work in partnership and collaboration because that's the way we will get these people seen really quickly. A follow-up to a little bit of that, which I know that I'd seen posted on a, in a back pain support group recently was um, if the pain is getting better, um, and or, or almost gone. He has some back pain and some leg pain. It's getting better. Can you still develop these symptoms even after the pain is gone? Um, you know, should you still be staying alert? You know, once you know, once you might be you know healed in in your or on nearly healed in your mind. Well, that is so. Uh, as as um, let's say in quadrifinus syndrome, for instance, if the pressure is getting greater, um, then weakness in the legs may develop abdominal pain and the discomfort coming from the bladder may ease but the condition is kind of getting worse so but you other things would be changing so i think in the in the let's say your back pain and all of your symptoms have completely gone and then a few weeks later there is a some difficulty passing urine that's unlikely to be related mm -hmm. to that um, so it's it's in the context of of what else is happening if it's just about pain resolving and and if you if you take it in a different sort of with a different pathology if you like or so you know so that's specific to corticoina but if you have um, somebody who who might be developing metastatic disease, so you know secondary cancer, then our experience of that is it does tend to wax and wane. So so sometimes, you know, they have these symptoms and they're really not great, and and then they go and see a clinician and actually they get better, and so it feels like oh they they're, they're responding to treatment, but and then what happens is, is they tend their symptoms get worse again but they get progressively worse. You know, it's not, it's worse than the first time. It, it is quite significant. So there's a, there's a, a real step change in, in their, in their kind of sense of pain and, and escalation. So, you know, and again, that's about safety netting. So if I saw a patient who had a past history of cancer and back pain, then yeah. It's, so I'd be aware of that. And, and that's what I'd be looking for is, What's happening to those symptoms? Are they waxing and waning? Do I need to be aware of that? And and again, I'd, I'd, I'd make sure the patient understood what I was looking for. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Thank you for that. And you mentioned earlier that this uh, project was kind of helped out by the MACP. Um, would you like to touch on what they are or who they are, what their role is kind of within the profession? Yeah, so so the MACP is the Musculoskeletal Association of Chartered Physiotherapists. So and they're they're basically the, the sort of the go-to musculoskeletal group for physio. Um, and uh, the clinicians who belong to that group have have tended to do a well, they will have done a master's degree and reached a specific level of expertise, essentially. And, and you know, essentially what, what they're about is trying to get messaging out around MSK conditions and, and you know, sort of really promoting the profession, really. So, yeah, we're really grateful for their contribution because, you know, I think it's fantastic. You know, they, they are pushing this out massively, which is, which is what we want. We want to get this out. We want to get the message out, you know, nationally, internationally. So, Brilliant, and yeah. and, and the yeah, we, we have listeners from you know I've forgotten how many different countries we are. I think we're on forty six 
46 over 50 different countries i think now um so we uh yeah so so you know it's the same message you know the same back pain the same symptoms that people get so it doesn't matter whether this you're in uk america or you know ghana you know we have listeners from you know it's the it's the same thing so wherever you are it's the uh the, the the same message so thank you again for for putting it out and and reminder where people can go to to watch it or to find more about about red flags is there any directions where you can kind of push people to yeah so again the macp have a lot of resources around that we've done um i've certainly done some podcasts with them about some uh, red flags and serious pathologies um the this video will be housed on there but we'll also um you know g- get a link out as well so but you guys are launching this, so this is this is really amazing. This is great. And so. um, thank you so no, much. No worries. Yeah. Well, guys, is there any other any other points that you'd like to to bring up, or anything that you think that we ought to have covered or didn't cover that we can uh, message out for our listeners? No, I think it's good. I think I think we're Fun. good to go. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, just observe your symptoms over time. Don't worry unduly. Serious pathology of the spine is a rare are rare conditions. Um, but working together with clinicians, you know, getting to this early can really improve outcomes. Brilliant. And if in doubt, get it checked out. You know, I think is the, is the old adage, which is which, exactly. which is so true, which we, we were taught at university and the message we've tried to uh, tried to get across on, on, on this show. So thank you ever so much for joining us. Um, it's been a fantastic episode. And as I said, a, a really important episode. Uh, so please take all, all of these uh all of these statements you know seriously and you know as i said speak to your healthcare provider if you have any 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 queries or any questions so thank you again guys thank you so much take care everyone and have a great evening wow thank you laura and sue ever so much for taking the time to talk to us today i just wanted to jump on at the end and just reiterate a little bit about or similar to what we said at the beginning that this episode is a serious episode it is potentially quite scary for some people this isn't what it's designed to do, so this episode wasn't put out to make people fearful or scared of their symptoms. This is purely to educate people who may be having back pain and some clusters of symptoms they're not quite sure about. So the take-home message is, please, if you're having these symptoms or if you have any queries or questions, please reach out to your healthcare professional, whether that's your GP, your osteopath, your chiropractor, your physiotherapist, and talk to them about it. They will know the process, they will know what's normal, what's normal, and they will signpost you exactly to the right place or where you need to be if there's any problems. So thank you for listening. I've been Rob. This has been the Back Pain Podcast. Take care and have a great day.